many thanks to our staff team this morning, our pastoral staff, for giving us a sense of kind of where we're at this year, uh, what we've seen, what we've seen God do in 2021. And they really represent the larger staff team of, of our support team as well. And as Jason said, all the volunteers. So uh, thank you to you guys for sharing. Uh, before I begin this morning uh, with the areas that I'll share and then, and then looking at God's Word, I want to just mention that I know and we've received feedback relative to the fact that COVID numbers have increased sharply in the last couple of weeks. And I want to let you know that as elders, we really feel compelled to not make any decisions as quick reactions, but to make those decisions prayerfully uh, and, and with measured response. I think that's one of the many lessons that we've learned over the last two years. And uh, just so that you know, we are meeting in two days, our regularly scheduled elders meeting. We will be discussing, uh, you know, everything that's happening with COVID and so forth. And just would ask you to uh, pray that we'd have wisdom as we go forward. In the meantime, uh, encourage you to wear masks as you see fit. We'll continue to rigorously clean our facilities and have our air purification systems running. And of course, uh, our online stream for those of you who at this time, that's the most uh, comfortable option for you. So enough on that this morning. Uh, my goal in these moments is to look uh, briefly at our church finances for the year, uh, some significant moments and events and the staff changes that took place over the last year, and then we're going to look and spend the rest of our time in, in God's Word. So GBC and generosity, if you will. Uh, GBC family, you were incredibly generous uh, this year. In 2021, our giving exceeded that of 2020 by 27.2%. Now, if you couple that with 2020, which exceeded 2019 by 19.3%, we're talking over 45% in giving growth over the last couple of years, which is just unbelievable. In fact, people have said to me, you know, you probably don't want to share that because people might say, oh, well, they don't need money, right? People will stop giving. And I just don't buy that. I don't buy it. I think for a sense of faithful stewardship and in a sense of uh, the vision that God has given us and the many things we're able to do here at the chapel, that, that it's between you and the Lord how and what you give anyway. But it does put a great burden of responsibility on us to steward those funds well. And so your generosity certainly allows for the employment of a robust staff team that you heard from this morning for financing the ministries of which so many of you uh, are an integral part. But it also allows us to impact our community, to help in our community. Um, and we've even had the chance to be generous uh, in an ongoing way to uh, partner churches, parachurch ministries, and, and it really affects where we can go and what we can, can do in the new year. One of the other things that we'll talk about next week is we've uh, aggressively set out to pay, this, uh, to pay the mortgage on this building down. So we'll give you kind of an update on that on a, on a week. And uh, ultimately, it is the generosity and the provision, as Tanya said, Jehovah Jireh, of God who is our provider through the generosity of his people. So uh, many uh, thanks to you, praise and glory to God uh, for generosity at GBC in 2021. Now, it's also my privilege to talk about many aspects of our community life. Uh, as in a healthy church, the invigorating future of our church are our little people, right? Our kids. And uh, this past year, we saw nearly 40 children, both babies and little ones, dedicated on this platform. Now, I say babies and little ones because we kind of had this backlog going, 
right? Because we hadn't been able to do a, jet, a dedication for a while. So some of those uh, kids that were dedicated were actually a little older than, than typical when they'd be infants on the stage. But nonetheless, GBC continues to be a place that is teeming with little ones. And that, that's both those that are born naturally to families as well as those who are in the process of fostering and or adoption. And so we're just really grateful uh, that this place has the life of little kids. Uh, speaking of new births, we also witnessed many people take the step of obedience and enter the waters of baptism in 2021, publicly declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, over 35 people took the step of baptism this year. And if you were here, these were days of great celebration, of joy and tears of gratitude for God's work and his transforming uh, power in, in individual lives. It was, they were just great days, and, and there's more to come. So that's uh, certainly exciting. But the yearly rhythms inevitably involve not only birth, but also death. And we lost some dear saints this year. And the grief when we lose some of our beloved is felt really by the whole church. And this year, we said goodbye for now uh, to Don Kalowski, George Stepanik, Liz Springer, Roger Briggs, Mike Condorino, Phoebe Donaldson, Bill Ward, Barry Gran, and Howard Post. I want to remind us this morning that for these families, that grief is still very real and very raw. And I would suspect, too, that even those of you that said goodbye to loved ones in the last two, three, four, maybe even five years, uh, that this, this time of year, having come through the holidays, is still a poignant time of grief. And so I just want to pause for a minute uh, and pray for, for us as a church and for those families in particular. So let's pray. God, Paul tells us that you are the God of all comfort. It's a passage in a scripture that we talk about a lot at funerals and memorial services. But Lord, I ask explicitly this morning that you would be that comfort to those who are grieving this morning. I think even in our family, the, the death of my mother-in-law, Phoebe, and all of those represented what we shared, extended family members who we lost this year who aren't a part of the GBC community. And God, for those that we've uh, talked about this morning, that we know that they are with you, Jesus, there's this dichotomy of being uh, filled with joy that they're with you, that they're whole and they're healed, but also the, the sense of loss that we feel here, the, missing their voice, missing their presence. God, would you help us to take comfort in the indelible imprint uh, that each of these folks have left on their families and their loved ones, and to truly find our comfort in you. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Births and deaths. Change. Change in, in any year is inevitable, no matter how disconcerting it can be at times. And this year, we went through two staff transitions at GBC. The first was Elise Paquette. I wonder if we could put back up actually that picture of the, of the caroling that took place. Elise is in the far left of that picture in that spiffy snowflake uh, necklace. Elise served on staff here at GBC for over 10 years. And on a personal note, Elise and I have known each other since we were in college, Elise and Todd and, and I. And uh, we've had the privilege of kind of watching our kids grow up together, which is just super fun. But many of you may not know that Elise was actually a church secretary when she started here, and, uh, but most recently was our media director. And Elise's artistic touch and attention to detail were huge strengths. 
and they were evident week by week in what you saw on the screen, but were probably uh, even more exhibited more obviously or, or more poignantly in the work that she did for memorial services here at the chapel. Not only what the beautiful presentations she put together, but her tender, caring touch in working with grieving families uh, in constructing those presentations. In addition, Elise always went well out of her way uh, to care for and to accommodate the many volunteers, with in particular the tech ministry. That's all the people in the back that you generally don't see. And Elise expressed her care in small gifts, and many may not know, in schedule changes that often would inconvenience herself first. Elise, we are grateful for your years of tireless time and service to the GBC family. I don't know if she's here in the room today or at home, but either way, could we just say thank you to Elise for her time? This year also saw the transition of Andy Bonner out of his role as our GBC missions pastor. Andy served the GBC body for over 10 years as well, and with his pursuit of developing the missions culture here at the church, we saw our missions team, our short-term missions work, go from about two teams a year and a handful or so of people to eight to 10 trips a year involving over 60 people. Now, as our missions footprint grew, this saw Andy and sort of representatively the chapel involved in places like Africa, India, Haiti, Honduras, and beyond. And here in the, in the United States, in Michigan, in the Navajo Nation, and all over New England. Uh, GBC's involvement in those places uh, really became focused in a lot of ways in our ministry in Haiti as that ministry grew. And Andy both made and led dozens of trips to Haiti and served as a conduit to GBC's partnership there and in this season established wells, schools, church buildings, orphanage work, pastors' training conferences, and on and on and on. I asked Susan Baker, uh, who served on many teams with Andy, for some photos representing his time as our missions pastor, and particularly in Haiti, and she supplied the photos that you're seeing this morning. But her words, I found, were also a tremendous testament to Andy's leadership on our behalf. She wrote this. She said, I found it interesting that in the 16 trips I have made with Andy, that these are the only pictures that I have of him there. It wasn't that I didn't want to take more of him, but he was really a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. He used to joke that we would be able to find he and Cheryl Ann off relaxing and drinking coffee while we were working. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Andy was the brains and the heart that God used to make the ministry in Pinon, Haiti, a reality. But he clearly knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was God's ministry and not his own. Back at GBC, he worked to get teams together to meet the needs of the trip, and every team member came to know that they were an integral part of the mission. They were there because God had chosen them, and God was using that trip in their lives and not just, the people, not just in the lives of the people in Haiti. Every night, we had a team meeting where we shared our God sightings for the day, and those experiences were life-changing for so many. Andy actually will continue to lead trips to Haiti on our behalf, but under the direction of the leadership of our new missions pastor, Mike Bontempo, whom we'll talk about next week on Vision Sunday. So back in September, the staff, we took some time to share lunch with both Andy and Cheryl Ann and to express our thanks for their leadership, uh, their influence on our team, on ourselves personally, and on our church. Uh, this morning, it's your turn. On behalf of the elders and together as a church, I wonder if we might say thank you to Andy, Andy and Cheryl Ann, if you could just stand uh, this morning. Thank you. 
Well, what's your greatest memory or your most vivid memory of 2021? What are the events, maybe global events or national or more local, maybe familial, maybe personal? What's, what are the things that sort of weigh heavily in your mind or that stand out to you as you think back on the year? We've talked about some of those moments sort of as a church this morning. You know, I remember uh, very fondly that March morning where this stage was filled with young families, that sort of backlogged child dedication. It was a great day. I remember the first Easter that we had been back uh, and were really full again uh, after a year of sort of, uh, you know, being apart from each other. And then there was the second annual outdoor worship concert in mid-June that really commemorated the first time that we had regathered as a church during the beginning of the pandemic. I remember the partial return of VBS, despite growing concerns of COVID uh, in the mid to late summers. And then there was a really meaningful series on tough questions in the fall that we received a lot of feedback about. And then there was the return of the pie potluck and a night of warmth and worship and family on Thanksgiving Eve. And then, of course, we ended, most recently, we ended our year with a wonderful Advent season and a, a Christmas Eve that I will not soon forget. Uh, it's been a good year, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the fact that it's kind of felt like 2020.2 or extension, yet it's been a good year. And you know, I suspect for you that church life, not unlike the rest of life, uh, probably didn't have its most significant impact uh, in the epic moments in the big events of your year. It's more likely that in the regular moments, maybe even perhaps in the mundane, uh, that you were most impacted. Perhaps a conversation in your small group or your men's and women's Bible study on a nondescript morning or evening uh, had a particular impact on you. Perhaps a, a particular moment of, of worship through song or a prayer that someone led uh, from the front or a moment of worship, a, a scripture read at just the right time. I would suspect that these and other moments like them were those that you will cherish most and that were the most impactful in your spiritual journey and your growth in Christ. See, the fact is that God often speaks to us powerfully through the ordinary, through the unexceptional. And he speaks to us most profoundly, we know from Scripture, as we tell once again the old, old story of Jesus and his love, as one hymn writer phrases it. And so everything that we've discussed this morning to this, this point, everything that you've heard, the reporting, all the, the flash, the ebb and flow that make up the year for our church family means nothing if we forget that. So this morning, I want to turn our attention in the remainder of our time together to the Word of God, and I wonder if you might pray with me as we do so. Our God and Father, as we look to your Word this morning, God, would you instruct our hearts? Would you help us to be not just fondly remember the year, but, but to be reflective of all that you did this year? Like even in the trial, Lord, certainly the victories and the highlights, but even in the trial, that we would acknowledge and see the imprint of your impact on our lives through your Holy Spirit because of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, perspective. This was our word for 2021. Perspective. And as we elaborated from Titus chapter 2 and Matthew 25, a kingdom eternal perspective. A kingdom perspective is defined by the words of Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is, we could say, already in heaven that God's work would be done here in our very midst. It's what we began with in January. But we also talked about an eternal perspective is defined by an expectation, an anticipation, a, a longing, a desire for Christ to return, 
to put the mess of this world and even our own lives back to right, if you will. A kingdom, eternal perspective. As we reflect on last year, where does this kingdom, eternal perspective come from? And, and how have we, or have we at all, seen things differently through the lens of a kingdom, eternal perspective? Paul, in a reflective passage of his own, looks back on his early time with the Corinthians church as he gets to his second letter, and he writes this. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of God's secret wisdom, wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. But God has revealed it by his spirit. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what he has freely given us. Paul makes this pretty simple as he talks to the Corinthian believers, as he kind of looks back. He brings to mind three things about his prior time with them. He begins by recognizing and making it clear to them that he brought nothing to the table. He didn't persuade them. He didn't coerce them. He wasn't ultra-wise. He brought nothing to the table. Instruction to us is that even as we look back in 2021, that we come with empty hands, if you will. In all that we've done in 2021 as a church family, it was not our power. It was not our budget. It was not our intellect. It was not our eloquence. It was not our artistic talent. It was not our hard work that moved the hearts of people to follow Jesus in 2021. This is true, in lo- as, as we look back as a church, it's true in our Christian lives as well. In his latest book, Dane Ortland writes this. He says, this is the surprise of the Christian life. We get traction in our spiritual lives, not centrally as we get down to work, but as we open our hands. The Christian life is indeed one of toil and labor, but we cannot receive what God has to give when our fists are clenched and our eyes are shut. We need to open up our, our fists and let our eyes in our eyes and both be lifted heavenward to receive his love. Well, it sounds a little bit esoteric, if you will, but how does that happen? Paul says it's a demonstration of the Spirit of God. It's, it's not what we bring to the table. It is the Spirit's work, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit, Paul says in Romans 8, that raised Jesus from the grave. He is the one who reveals the secret wisdom of God. He is the one that when our hands and our hearts are open to him, he brings new life. He brings the spiritually dead back to life again, even me and even you as you've trusted in Jesus. Paul says that this move of God's spirit, this revelation is for this reason, so that we may understand, comprehend is is the idea here, that we would understand what God has freely given us. What has he given us? He's given us the gift of Jesus. Paul says it in, the, in verse 2, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
What God has given us is the gift of Jesus. That probably sounds familiar because it's what we talked about when we just celebrated Advent. It's what the theme of Zach's message on Christmas Eve. It's what Paul says here. What he's given is he's given Jesus. This is still our number one mission. Preach Jesus. Paul, near the end of his life, he says to his protege, Timothy, uh, preach the word in season and out of season. He exhorts him, preach Jesus. Why? Because in Jesus, my friends, in Jesus, because he rose to new life, you get a new start. In Jesus, because he faced the greatest temptation to sin and did not succumb to its power, you get power to overcome that addiction. Because in Jesus, he felt the power of the deepest despair of rejection and abandonment and betrayal and loneliness. You get community. It was said this morning, the biblical word is fellowship like you will find nowhere else in the world. In Jesus, because he emptied himself of everything to the point of death, you get strength for each new day. In Jesus, because he emptied himself. In Jesus, because he set aside his glory and he faced the darkness of both God's judgment in the grave itself, you get forgiveness, eternal life, and perspective. Perspective, a different way to approach life. Kingdom, eternal perspective as we walk out this life. Amen? You know, I saw the Lord do this again and again this year. I spoke a little bit about this on Thanksgiving Eve. I saw this, uh, God do this in marriages that began to experience new life and new beginnings in situations that seemed impossible. I saw it in the words and the tears of those I had the privilege to baptize. I saw it in those who stepped into paths of healing for all manner of personal challenges, mental health challenges, and so on and so forth as they embraced what Jesus has done for them in their lives. Well, what about you? How was your... 2021? Did God reshape your perspective? Do you know freedom, new life, and growth over this last year? Paul says, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the foundation from which everything else springs. Could it really be that simple? <laughs> it is. C.S. Lewis captures this a little bit in his essay, Three Kinds of Men. He says, there are not two kinds of people in the world, there are three. Since the first kind of person uh, consists in those who live purely for themselves. All that they do serves their own selfish desires and cares. This is the second kind of person are those who acknowledge that there's some kind of code outside of them, some sort of moral obligation, whether it's their conscience or the Ten Commandments or maybe the rules of their parents that they grew up under. And Lewis says that these second kind of person, they, they kind of live their life feeling this tension between this moral imperative and their own desires. And they, they live their life flip-flopping between those two, trying to, trying to fulfill uh, the one or indulging the other. C.S. Lewis says the third class of people are those who, like Paul in, in Philippians say, to live is Christ. There is no conflict between the will of God, that moral imperative in their own, because his will is their will. They know that they are his. So in other words, the first kind of people, they kind of throw out the rules. The second kind of people, they try really hard to follow the rules. The third kind of people, they recognize that they bring nothing to the table. Empty hands. They know that it's simply going to be a move of God's spirit in their lives that has revealed that Jesus is a great gift that God has given them. And they walk in that. What about you this morning? How has God moved in you in 2021?
leave you with one final quote and final thought, and then we're going to sing a final song. Again, from Dane Ortland's uh, book, he says, Some of us look at the evidence of our lives, mindful of the pain that we endured and the pain that we've caused, and we don't know how to respond to the love of Jesus except with cold cynicism. He goes on to say, If you're having thoughts like that as you hear of Christ's love, I want you to know that you're looking at the wrong life. Your life doesn't disprove Christ's love. His life, and ultimately his cross, proves it. That's the message that we have for you this morning. It's the same one that we had last week and the same one that we'll have next year. The compelling question for you to reflect on this morning is what do you see God doing in year 2021 that will drive you into 2022? I can tell you that we are excited about Vision Sunday next week and about what God is doing, not just at Groton Bible Chapel, but in the church in New England. And I think it's going to be a year where God leads us into new and amazing things. And I want to encourage you this morning, are you ready for what he has for you? Let's stand and sing a final song together.